Hello there, you're about to experience the What's Up Church podcast. Can a dude get some Holy Spirit? What's up, church? What's up, church? There it is. That's nice. <laughs> this is like natural. It feels yeah, good, doesn't yeah, it? Yes. Yeah. Doesn't it fun? It's Very fun to good. say. I'm impressed. So, Zara, you want to try it? Mine's a little bit. What's up, church? That's very good. Those are very good. I'm glad that my <laughs> common vernacular is becoming something significant. Uh, What's up, church? Um, as you can tell, I'm here, continuing to be here with Adam and Cesar. We are continuing our conversation about generational curses and a point of, I would say, a point of contention with regards to it being taught, how it's being taught, the spirit of what is being taught, the validity of if it should be taught. And I think a lot of it is the verbiage that we're using when we're teaching. I think there's, we, we, in the last episode, if you're following along at home <laughs> and you've checked your notes, we talked about, I think, I think the definition of what a curse is, is significant and how we apply that word. If we're talking about something that is a curse or a bad decision, um, we definitely spot, uh, we're spotlighting the fact that there is no talk of any such thing in the New Testament. From Matthew forward, there is no, there is no generational curses spoken of in the context that we have in Exodus, in the context that we have in the Old Testament. Um, I thought Adam brought up a really good point when you talked about there is a corporate punishment. You see in the Old Testament, nations are punished. You see that, but you don't mm-hmm. get a generational. And then the thing you said too, which I thought was really good, is that a, and I, you can say it, correct me if I'm wrong, when you're talking about how a, a generational curse can sometimes be used as a convenient spiritual crutch. Absolutely. You can, you, you can, can sidestep responsibility. It alleviates the burden of obedience, submission. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And you're like saying, oh, it's just so bigger than me. It's that. It makes it, it makes the sin so much bigger mm-hmm. and just, completely guilt-free. Like I, it's not even my fault I'm doing this. Therefore the accountability is no longer mine. And that's a unique, that's a really kind of a cool perspective that I hadn't thought about until you you mentioned that it really does sidestep accountability. Um, it can, it can, depending on how you, how you apply that Mm -hmm. to your life. So that's kind of where we're at now. This episode, however, we're going to do a different, not different. We're going to spotlight on some new items. That's interesting. I don't know what that was. <laughs> we are still at Campland, uh, just so you know. So if you hear some fun noises, just know our studio is open to the public. <laughs> <laughs> so we have no accountability on noise. But uh, Cesar, I'm gonna let you take the lead from here. Okay. And kind of get us going. Did I did I summarize? No, that was very good. Was that good? Very okay. Good. You did a better job than I did. Hey, nuts. I love it, man. Different, not better. So, <laughs> <laughs> well, it's, it's, it's speaking of difference. Uh, one of the things I want, I want to recap on the last uh, uh, session, it's real simple to me. There's a difference between a cycle and, and, and a curse. And what I mean by that, that choosing the familiar and, and repeat the decisions of your parents does open, it, it causes people to open themselves to some habits. Mm-hmm. And we know that. And, and so, so I just, because of the conversation that we had between the sessions here. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, if I repeat my parents' 
whatever it is, you know, uh, bad behavior, okay, uh, chances are my children are going to pick up on it. Yes. Not a curse. It's repeated behavior. All right. And, and with that may come consequences, <laughs> right? And so, and so, so does it mean a demon is after you? Does it mean always that the demons are, 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 uh, uh, are attacking you, which everything's about demons attacking you. Uh, when the fact <laughs> of the matter is, you know, the devil's attacking you. No, he's not. He's up there in the Middle East somewhere. He, he can't he's in be the courts of heaven. one time. Yeah. And so he, he really, no, it's a, a lot of it is we are our worst enemy. Mm-hmm. How we perceive our past, how we, how we uh, see ourselves because of what happened to me when I was 12 years old. And so we carry that. And, and if we are not careful, we will build on that emotionally. And by the time we're adults and when we have a bad day, those things get magnified. And so we put a name to it. And a lot of it is whether it's generation to curse or, or call it what you want. The problem is that that when we came to Christ, it could have been, if we do this correctly, been settled it. It could have been settled. Mm-hmm. When the scripture tells me in Corinthians that all things have passed away, behold, new things come. I am a new creation. Everything mm-hmm. was taken care of at the cross. But we don't know what that means, and so we don't practice it. We can memorize it, and, and many of us do. And man, we're good at that. But man, don't let don't let don't let the carpet be pulled from under you, because all of a sudden that scripture means nothing. All you know is what you're experiencing at the moment, and just it, it must be either generational curse or the devil's attacking me. You know the demons are after me, so on and so forth. But the fact of the matter is, they can strip of all power. What I got left is what's in my brain, a memory. We are in spiritual warfare, and I believe that the demons know what's in our mind. They know our weaknesses, and they will prey on our on our weaknesses. But at some point, we have to learn how to stand in the validity of the Word of God. At what point do we do that? Why are we always a victim? Why do we have to blame it on the devil? Why do we have to blame it on everything else when the Word of God tells us we are the victors? Even in our thinking. We set our minds on things above. Is that what, 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 what Colossians chapter 1, verses, verses 1 and 2 says? Since Christ being seated in heavenly places, set your heart, your affections on things above. Since Christ is seated in heavenly places with the Father, set your emotions, set your, excuse me, your mind on things above. But we, we, we don't read into that. We don't stop and pause like Selah. What does that mean? What does it look like? But we just keep right on reading because after all, I got to finish reading this chapter because that's what I'm committed to do. I say, my, my take on all this, on generational curses, that if we took the word of God at its value and don't rush it through, study it and apply it. And that's the Holy Spirit. And it's always the key. That's, he is the key. The Holy Spirit to reveal to you what things you don't have to allow to badger you and to defeat you. But we don't do that. A lot of us don't do that. And so we need a program. We need a book. We need this. We need that. Because because the responsibility, instead of stepping up to the plate and doing what I must do as a Christian, we rely on other people's research to tell us what we need to do. I would say to your listeners, get in the Word, stay in the Word, watch this, and obey the Word. And you'd be amazed how much of this stuff will eventually leave you 
because greater is Yeshua inside of you than all things that we, we have experienced in this world. Do you think that's it? The word you said, conven- not conveniently, the word I got, and that was eventually. Do you think that's the cause for so many freedom, deliverance, because it's an immediate it's a the oh, promise so, of the immediate. So, so I don't get it now. In other words, something went wrong, so I have to go. Uh, no, 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 like, like, like so, so strongholds. Okay, right. We'll use strongholds as an example. You might have a stronghold in your life, mm-hmm. and let's define stronghold. <laughs> so we are all on the same same page. A stronghold, in my opinion, is a sin or a thought that you agree with that is contrary. To the word of God. To who you really are. To who you really Christ. are. Absolutely. It is, it is a it is something that you and normally they're not what they appear to be. In my experience, mm-hmm. it's it's not the thing you can see. It's, it's a lie you believe. It's the it's the it's the iceberg it's like a, under yeah. the water. Yeah, it's like a hidden fortress. It's, a, it's exactly it's a hidden fortress of things that you've mm-hmm. agreed with. Mm-hmm. You slowly but surely throughout your life, you've agreed sure. with this sure. thing. And it has become a stronghold in your identity. How you see yourself, how you operate, how you read the scripture, mm-hmm. how you view God is through this lens. Yeah. And identity being one of those things. But so I, I, one of my favorite Chuck Misser phrases is you don't clean a fish until you catch it. Meaning when you get someone saved, they're probably not clean. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. there's some work to be done there, right? Mm-hmm. The good part is getting them on the on the path to sanctification, mm-hmm. you know, get mm-hmm. them saved, get them moving forward. But there's a lot of strongholds. There's a lot of identity issues. There's a lot of sin. Unre- you know, there's a lot going on there in us from that, po- that point. So what, what you're saying is that getting in the word, staying in the word, obeying the word, I think is probably the best advice you can give anyone, anytime, anywhere, at any moment, right? However, the strongholds they're facing that people don't know they're facing is that? I mean, I guess I'm trying to like, convolute. I'm trying to get. I'm trying to work my 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 brain around at the same time. Saying, do we do we sometimes consider a stronghold a generational curse? Okay, uh, I've heard people teach it that way. I don't agree with it. Okay, and I'll tell you what. Let me give, let me give you an example of a stronghold. Well, do you, we agree with strongholds? How yeah, about that? Let's, absolutely. Okay. Oh, absolutely. The word of God is very clear on that. Okay. Okay. But I think we must understand that scripture that says that we take captive every thought into yep. the obedience of Christ. As if though it's something I got to do for me. That's not what he's talking about. You take that scripture into context. Paul is talking about the people that were talking against him. Mm-hmm. And what they were teaching, those are the arguments and the pretensions that he would have to take, come against, not in his own mind. And he, just, wasn't, he wasn't fighting issues in his own mind. He was talking about those people that were were coming against his teaching after he left, and then and that he came back. He says, "Because I don't, I'm not fighting against them. I'm not fighting my yeah. philosophy against their philosophy. I'm speaking about things in the spirit realm that they're spreading, and therefore I want to take that and I'm going to demolish it. I'm going to destroy it. I'm going to put them in their place." And I'm going to bring them eventually into the obedience of Christ that they may start knowing who Jesus Christ is. That is the contents of that scripture. Not that I have to work with my mind and bring those ugly thoughts into submission to Christ. That's not what it's talking about. That's, again, it's another scripture we take out of context, as, okay. as we mentioned before. Now, the idea, watch this, the, the, the comment that I made, that the, the choosing that, we, that we're familiar with and the things that we repeat that our parents uh, uh, did Right, um, those things will open up 
Let me tell you, let me tell you what's a real good place, and your listeners need to know this. A real good place for a stronghold to take place is secret sin. Mm -hmm. If you don't confess it, there's two things that happen. When you confess it to Christ, that's one thing. When you confess it to man, it's for conscience sake. I don't know if you knew that. Of course. And so secret sin kept secret will work on your mind, will work on you before it's something you actually believe, and it will take power over you in your thinking. Notice I said thinking. Because because strongholds are in the mind, not not demons in the, in the, in the sky. There's no way it says that. It is talking about the mind. And so strongholds are things that we keep to ourselves. Now, here's what happens. When you bring a sin issue, if I, if I may put it that way, it could be anything else, into light, its power is broken. Mm -hmm. Whatever you bring to light, it has no power over you anymore. But if you keep it in darkness, it'll have power you over you for as long as you keep it there. Mm -hmm. So I am, my, I am my biggest enemy. If I don't know how to obey the word, what's the word I say in James? Confess your sins to one another, which is where the Roman Catholic Church says, well, yeah, that's why I go to a peace. That's not what it's talking about. The reason you do uh, confessing your sins to one another, not that you can be forgiven, because nobody can forgive you like God can. And that's how you need is to go to God. That's why That's why you reread uh, Psalm 51. You confess your sins for the sake of your conscience. You let something that was in darkness, you bring it into light. Now its power is broken. That was a clock, by the way. No, that was an earth shake. Yeah. <laughs> that, was, that was camp land. Everybody. That was, yeah. yeah. That was They're the letting off the maidies Those are the of sounds tent. you were talking about. Yes. about camp land. <laughs> Those are the ones. We cannot control those. Yeah. Yeah, right. including people clapping, right? And so, but the idea that the believer can be under some kind of a demonic or or dark influence on, on its own because of the choices that their parents made is not biblical. You can't find that nowhere in the Word of God. You know, one of the greatest people that I trust the most, and I love the way he knows the Word of God, is my brother Jorge. Mm -hmm. Well, you guys call him George. It's Jorge. He's been on, you know, on, mm -hmm. on, on your podcast. Uh, uh, Me, saved, always saved. Yeah, and so I love him, and and this is one conversation that I can have with him, and I guarantee you that you will agree with me that it's not biblical when we teach that. Now, so where did the idea come from? Well, partially people believe this because of personal experience. We talked about that between mm -hmm. between uh, takes here. Because of personal experience, but I also re responded to that in repeating the decisions and the cycles of generations past, former generations. They sometimes, here's, here's what I see, they sometimes look somewhere to place the blame. My father's fault, my dad's fault, my mother's fault. But may I propose this to your listeners and to you guys? Experience, and I'll say it again, as I said earlier, isn't always the best foundation for truth. I don't care what you've experienced. If the Bible doesn't talk about it, then why do we read into it and make it as if it did? Because of experience. Experience will never replace the Word of God. If Paul never saw the need to have to write about it and talk about it to the new converts in Ephesus, which we all know what that was like. So why do we have to read into that? Paul never did. Why should I? Paul, we know better than Paul. All these authors that write all these books, they know better than Paul. I don't think so. 
There was a reason why Paul, John, Peter didn't write about it when they, wrote, when they went out and after the new converts of these cities. And if anybody needed it, it was them. Because that is exactly what Exodus chapter 20, verses 46 is talking about. But he did it. Now watch this. Another source of disbelief is poor biblical interpretation. Now, I believe personally that teaching about generational curses, you know what I think? I really, it is nothing more than a distraction of the, for the believer to get their focus off the finished work of Christ at Calvary. It's a distraction. Not only to them, to themselves, but think about it. Think, think, think. Oh, my goodness. Oh, man, you got to go back into your parents and you need to find out what sin they did. Well, I told you guys what happened to me when I was a child. You know, the different things that happened to me, the lack of love, the lack of a father, being molested as a child. I could always blame that. I could always blame those things and what happened to me. But something happened when I came to Yeshua. I still have the memory, which we talked about. Mm -hmm. That he ain't got no power over me, baby, except that which I allow it to have. Because as far as the word is concerned, it overrides my experience. And if the word of God tells me there is nothing of the sort today, then why am I reading into it? Why? Watch this. Here's, here's, here's what we get. If a believer is cursed by a sin of their parents, right? And, and they're taught to go back four generations. All right. So they, they would have to examine the lives of at least 30 people. Mom and dad. That's two parents. Four grandparents. Four, eight grandparents. 16 grandparents. That's silly. Why? That's crazy. Why? Because you will find, so you find, let's say, a grandparent that practiced witchcraft in your life. In your, in your family. Okay. Well done. And you start denouncing his or her practices that's over your life, that you think may be over your life. And that's fine. And you did well. Oh, I denounce and I denounce this and I denounce that. And my grandfather and my, my, my mother, my nana, my tío, you know. I think that's kind of crazy. Because even though you start denouncing, I think that's a, that's a wonderful thing. Nice work. But I want to I tell you something. What about the other relatives that you know not nothing of? What about the other relatives? The other of the 30 relatives, there's at least 10 of them or six of them that were into things that today we say brings generational curses. And so where you were unable to denounce them, so we're stuck with generational curses because you don't know who they are and what they did? If that, if that theory is correct, that's silly, isn't it? That means I'm stuck with a generational curse, no fault of mine. That's ridiculous. And you can go, you can read all the books you want, and you can and you can decide to, to, to believe whatever you want. But this is biblical concept in looking at that. If it's not in the scripture, if it's not in the new covenant, why do we even talk about it? Because it's not Bible, regardless of what we have experienced. Reli you, know, you know what that is? That is nothing but religious. And religious practices never gets to the core of the problem. Regardless of your tío and your nana and your tía and whatever, whatever, whatever they did, the blood of Yeshua of Christ has redeemed us from all curses and all consequences of their stupidity. The victory's mine. Go ahead, Mio. It makes me think, like you know, uh, the Lord doesn't remember 
our our sins, right? Far from the east or the west, mm-hmm. and yet we're trying to make it an issue with us with our family members. If the Lord's not holding it against us, why would we? Why like, would we? Excellent point. Yeah, make that. You point. know why? Because you read it in a book somewhere that you're supposed to, and so we believe it because man, they put it they put it real nicely, and we believe. It's like we want to believe. After all, if you pay 30 bucks for it, you better want to believe what you're reading. <laughs> you pay good money for it. Listen, you want to talk about curses in the New Covenant? I'll talk to you about curses in the New Covenant. And I wrote it down. Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law. Having become a curse for us, it is written. Cursed is everyone who hangs on the tree. And of course, you guys know that. That's out of Deuteronomy 21. He's just quoting that. And, and, and in order that Yeshua... Christ Jesus, the blessed of Abraham, might come to the Gentiles so that we, listen, this is so good, so that we would receive the promise of the Holy Ghost and the Holy Spirit. How? By faith. He took the entire curse of the law, which none of us could ever keep, so that we may receive the blessing of Abraham or Abraham that is being declared righteous, perfect, not guilty of anything in his sight because of our faith in Hashem and Christ. Guys, Exodus chapter 20, verse 5, and all of the old covenant of verses that are similar to this, what we're talking about, have something in common, and they are all set on a much larger backdrop, and that's choice. It's the backdrop of choice. In other words, by repeating the choices of former generations, one becomes susceptible to the and similar consequences and punishments. Come on, somebody. You, you, you do what your daddy do. You don't have to, but you do. You're going to get the same consequences. It's my choice. It's not like some demons over me and harassing me and I got no choice. The only time you ain't got no choice is if you're demon-possessed. But as long as I have a choice and choose what Christ taught me, I am in him. I have no place where I need to be badgered. He uh, he may harass me, but I don't have to believe it. I don't have to go in the areas that he wants me to go of self-deception or, 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 or I beat myself up in depression. God's word tells us that it's easy to see that, that the demons can oppress us. But why does he oppress us? Because we let it happen. He ain't got no power over me except that which I let him have. He ain't got no power over me. He's been stripped. The only power he has is the one that goes unchallenged in my life. That's how much I believe this word of God. I'm, I'm, I'm sold out on it. Okay, so uh, I, I just said, so scripture, <laughs> anyway. Um, Can't plan. I know. God, God listen, I, I if God cursed believers, like it's taught by some, if God cursed believers for generations of sins, wouldn't it be silly, guys, to be praying against those curses? Say that one more time. Okay. A lot of them teach that because of that being broken, that law being broken, Exodus chapter 20, verse 5, or 4 through 6, and that means those curses come from God. The punishment. Well, then if it came from God, what business do I have praying against them? 
instead of writing out what God decided I need to go through for my learning and for my whatever it is that he thinks. Why, why am I praying against them if, if it's from God? That's what we're taught. I, 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 I'm not going to do that. Does God have to fight himself to liberate you? Because we said this, now it's this. No, of course not. In fact, the scripture does not teach generational curses. That's my point. But it definitely teaches generational consequences. The consequence of following my daddy's footsteps is the consequences that he got. The consequences of following Yeshua are the consequences of that. My choice. The person who sins, watch this. This is very suave. The person who sins, the scripture says, he's going to die. You die in your sins. You never asked Yeshua into your life. You never did what John chapter 1, verse 12 says to do. To him that received them, he gave him the power to become the sons of God. If you never did, you sin, you die. You're going to die, you're going to die in your sins. But the child, watch this, will not be punished for the parent's sin. That's what the scripture tells us all wrong. A child, you, are you a child? Of course you're a child. A child will not be punished for the parent's sin, and the parent will not be punished for the child's sin. And the Word of God tells us that righteous people will be rewarded for their own righteousness behavior. And watch this. And the wicked people will be punished for their own wickedness. I hope you believe that, because that's right out of Ezekiel chapter 18, verse 20. So throw your books away. So then, <laughs> conclusion: God. Throw your books away. I see, that's, that's, that's it, guys. God does not hold us. We're having a book burning here in Canada. <laughs> Bring them all. Yeah, we'll have a burning party outside tonight. Here, reading anything else but the Bible. <laughs> throw it away. God does not hold us accountable for the decisions of others. That's the point. He just doesn't. You see that in the Word of God. I just read it to you, Ezekiel eighteen. Even of their decisions of our former generations. Grandpappy, Yahweh always deals with each individual on the basis of their decisions that they have made for their life. You never see anything different in the Word of God. Here's the problem. Some believers look for exterior circumstances to blame. They're always looking for some. It's somebody's fault. Adam, what did you do? <clears throat> this woman you gave me, she tricked me. Or, no, she, she made me do it. Uh, Eve, what did you do? Uh, this guy right here, he tricked me. It is, and she's pointing to him. Uh, uh, a devil, devil say, what, what did you do? And he got, and he looks over to his right like the other two, there's nobody there. So the blame game ends right there. The blame game should have never started. No more than that, the blame game should be played by any of us that are born again and filled with the Holy Ghost, the Holy Spirit. The blame game stops. Why? Listen, listen. We're always looking for exterior circumstances to be able to put the blame on our current spiritual state. My take? They don't want to take responsibility for their own sins. Y'all are going to blame it on somebody else. My daddy, the devil. What he did, now I'm, I'm sub subject to. Listen, but the good and the sober news is this. Is that God holds the individual accountable. That's you and I. Do you know why we sin? Are you guys ready for that? You know why we sin? Because we like to sin. We choose to sin. We choose to sin. Isn't that what James tells us? James chapter 1, verses 14 and 15. He says, but each of you is tempted when they are dragged by away by their own evil desire. 
and then they're enticed. Then after desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin, and sin, when it's full grown, gives birth to death. <clears throat> but wouldn't Paul and his famous, the things I want to do, I don't, things I don't want to do, I do. Look at, read it in the context. How does he finish that? That part he finishes very strong. <laughs> what he says, what he says, but thank Christ Jesus, yes. I have been delivered from that. Yes. So in essence, he's making fun of the people that are using that as an excuse. Read it, read it, read it in its entirety in its context. He is making fun of people that do that. Well, he put himself there. But then he says, but praise God, <clears throat> I've been delivered by Christ Jesus. Mm -hmm. So that's what that applies there. Absolutely. So see, people say, I fell into sin. No, you didn't. You don't fall into sin. We choose to sin. Got it? You understand what I'm saying here? Do you know why many can't fully commit? It's because they choose not to fully commit and surrender. Throw your books away. Anyway, the lack of prayer, holiness, worship, or devotion to God and God's word is not a generational thing. It's a choice. I choose to be holy. I choose to worship. I choose to pray. I choose my devotions to the Word of God. I choose early this morning, 536 o'clock this morning. I am going through the scripture and I'm chewing on it. And I'm going through the through the through the fruit of the spirit and applying each one to me for today. Every day. I do that. It's a choice. It's not something my daddy did, but so now I gotta do it too because he, he was devoted to Jesus. No, it's something I choose. It's easier to blame some kind of an exterior or, or demonic force that works against us than to simply surrender all and start getting to the Word of God. Get that Word in your mind. You always say the heart. Well, the heart's a muscle that pumps blood through our body. Get it in your brain. Get it in your mind. And purposely begin to think different. I told you this earlier before. We will never change our behavior until we start thinking different. Oh, the tapping. Yep. That was me tapping. Hey, we're in camp line, okay? Loving, we're in camp line. This is going to be an audio journey. <laughs> <laughs> this is going to be an audio yeah. experience. Get, getting a little passionate here. Okay. You guys are going to love Like, what is going on in there? We're going to hear all and, that. And so repentance is what, guys? Repentance in the, from our <laughs> oh. And now my knees. I know. So sorry, I can't talk without making a noise. Type me you down, can't right? do it. He's like, guys, see what we're doing. I speak in platonic rhythms. All right? Uh, I do this. Okay, so what is repentance? It's the, the Hebrew word for repentance is teshuva. Telushkin is the is is the is the, the the root word for teshuva, which means start thinking different. Quit blaming everything on what you've been taught and what you read on those on those books out there. Think different. Get the word of God in, and start practicing it and watch and see what happens. Why? Because now the Spirit of God is being allowed to do what He wants to do from the very day you said yes to Yeshua. Yes to Jesus. That is done by putting the word of God in your brain. And it's for the sake of renewing. That's my take on this. That's that's my passionate approach to the whole thing on generational curses. Why? Because once you get the word of God in, it sips into your spirit, man. See, your flesh, your nefesh, the, the Hebrew word for your mind, your intellect. It, 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 it then what you get from the word of God, it seeps into your spirit, man. And that's where transformation comes in for your life.
But Christ has rescued us from the curse pronounced by the law. And when he hung on that tree, I know I just read that a while ago, but when he hung on that tree, on that cross, he took upon himself the curse for our wrongdoing. It is written in the scriptures, cursed is everyone who hung on that tree. Guys, if we're Christians, watch this, watch this. If we're real Christians, oh no, I don't it's another can of worms, okay? Christ broke the curse. He broke your daddy's curse. All you got is a, it's a memory and a, and a choice to follow what your daddy did. But don't call it a curse. It was your choice to do what he did. You like to drink alcohol? Okay, you drink alcohol because you want to. No one's forcing you. But remember what I told you about alcohol. I don't know if I said it on, on the, the last segment or I just said it in between segments. If you're a Christian and you drink alcohol, remember your children are watching you. And they will do everything you do. You spoke a joint here and there, but you're a Christian, go on church on Sunday. Your children, and, and don't call it a generation of curse that you can help it. Then your children are going to be saying, no, I'm another generation of curse because my dad used to smoke weed. No. <clears throat> Not just your children, everybody. Every, exactly. Even church. I could care less about your children. I yeah. care about everybody else. And you, and you know, yeah, <laughs> right. I'm like, more people are watching than your kids. But you know, but you know something? Watch this, watch this. Here's, here's the thing about that. Let's say you're in a, in a you say, let's say you are in a public setting, mm -hmm. and and there's nothing wrong with having a I don't know called it a margarita, mm -hmm. all right. So you have a margarita suave, and if you're with a bunch of other Christians, listen, it might be a good idea to ask if anybody would be offended if you had a margarita because if you have a a, a new Christian in that group and they don't drink because somehow they got the conviction from the Holy Spirit not to drink, but they see you drinking who is mature, you're a pillar of the church, and if they see you, then it must be okay. And Adam, you and I both know that happened to me with one of my students. He never drank, and he got hanging around with a wrong crowd, Christians, and they made fun of him because Pastor Ochoa told him it was silly not to drink. Today, he's not with us because he was in a car accident and he killed the young lady he was with. Because he chose to drink and the influence of strong, supposedly Christians. Mm. And that is called what? A stumbling block. And we all, I think most of us should know what Yeshua said. Don't be a stumbling block to one my little ones. Mm -hmm. So you can drink if you want. I don't care. That's a different segue. Getting to the drink, can you drink conversation? That's a whole other can of worms. Yeah, but, but <laughs> that point goes is, a long but, way. But my point is, it's it's not because we we are cursed by anything or anyone. It's that my point is choices we make. It all comes down to one thing: it's the choices I make. Okay. And I'm done here. I think. All right. Well. Okay. What do you think, Adam? What are your thoughts? Well, honestly, it's given me a lot to think about in terms of me being a father and uh, the legacy I'm creating uh, for my children, uh, they're going to look at everything that I watch, everything that I read, all the magazines and periodicals that come across my my desk, uh, how I treat their mom. Um, Good point. <clears throat> right? Excellent point. Yeah. And so it's just, it tells me that um, if we are significant, and I think as Christians, mm -hmm. we're significant. So the things that we do, they, it matters to little ones. And it matters to people who are our peers. As, you know, people are looking for leaders. People are looking uh, for the way. And, and we're, we're Christ followers. So um, 
That's a that's a that's a heavy bird. It's a sobering thought. Mm. Yeah, I'm I'm definitely I'm gonna have to go back on this. I I, I can't give where I'm at because I don't disagree with anything you said. Um, but I I know I've gone through levels of inner healing, and I've experienced inner healing. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> and so, like I said before in our break, like like there's things mine don't line up with what the the broad stroke statements were in terms of like not surrendering, looking for a blame, any of that. Mine didn't stem from any of that personally. Okay. I can't, I can't speak to the industry as a whole, but I can speak to my situation. Um, But again, I don't want my situation to be based on my lens. I want it to be based on scripture. So, so I want to go through and I'll probably take some uh, notes from this. And kind of look into it a little bit from my perspective because I I don't want to I, I I don't know enough about it to have a competent argument for okay. or against. But that's why I can honestly say I'm not as I'm not as educated in this topic as I should be okay. based on it. However, I don't disagree with anything you said. Like spiritually, there's no check. Biblically. I can't go against your argument when it comes to the New Testament and not being curses and everything else because you're not wrong there. So there's no there, that you know what I mean it's like what's that what's that phrase in Acts like um, receive word with an open heart but check the scriptures thoroughly. What's that Acts 17 something like that? I forget that scripture. <clears throat> it's a check misterism where he always says like receive the word with a joyful heart but but inspect the words verify it. Like, welcome it. Say, yes, fantastic. Good word. Let me go verify it. Let me search the scripture. Like the Bereans did. Yeah, exactly. The Bereans. That's where he was referring yeah. to the Acts. That, that would be Acts 17. Church of Bere- yeah, 17. Yeah. yeah. Inspect it. And so that's what this would be a situation for me is that to go back and say, you know what? I don't disagree with what you said. I think it's a lot of food for thought. Um, I don't know how prevalent. I mean, obviously, I I, I engage in, in, in deliverance ministry. I, right. So, I mean, it's probably more prevalent than we think. Um, so I liked it. I'm glad you said it. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm curious to see how this lands. If you're listening, which at this point in time you should be, I don't know why you're here if you're not. <laughs> mm-hmm. I would love to hear feedback. Uh, you know how the email is to contact us. Um, I would like some feedback. I'm sure we're gonna do more of these. I'm sure we're gonna do maybe not these exact topic. We're doing more of these things while we're here. So this is gonna be awesome. Um, so this is fun. I enjoyed this. Yeah, it's been great. But I will say it is sweltering. Yes. At camp, we are in. We're in an RV with no AC because the AC was too loud. And let me tell you that what we sacrifice our bodies for this podcast cannot be understated. Okay, Okay. we've been in here sweating like we're in a. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Anyway, uh, Cesar, thank you so much for bringing this. I appreciate you. This is awesome, Adam. Thank you for being here. Absolutely. Can I brand it again? Um. Do you know how to finish it? I asked you last time. You guys both looked at me with dead eyes. We'll do it at the same time. That last part. <laughs> Hold on. So, are we going to finish drawing together? Yeah. Well, let me let me see. Can I say one real quick thing? How much time do I have? You have five seconds. We're at thirty nine minutes. All right. Oh, in that case, no. Um, first of all, it was my honor to be able to be talking about the kingdom. I love talking about the kingdom, but today I'm doing it with the people that I love, my family. I got my son which I love talking about the kingdom with my family. And I've, then I've got you, my nephew, who I love and I respect obviously so much. Uh, I'm very proud of you that you're doing this podcast. But you see, the greatest joy for me is to be able to have these kinds of conversations with my own familia. Yeah. No greater joy can a man have than to have his own familia serve the master he loves. And I love the way you love my Lord. 
I love that you love him. And I just seen, I love the way he loves you. And I, I am thrilled with what you guys, what the Lord's doing with you, what you guys are doing with, with that responsibility of serving him. Also, I want to put in a, 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 a bit for my book. Oh, yeah, please. Yeah. Uh, oh, yeah. I didn't forget to tell you about it. Yeah. Cesar is an author. Go ahead. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I forgot to say that. I've said on George's author evangelist. I always did that intro. Uh-huh. Uh, Cesar, you're as equally author evangelist. All the things, too. I don't know why I let that out. I apologize. But yes. Late, late plug. You are an author. Please talk about your books. Well, the book is simply my testimony. It's a, it's a, it, they're different stories of my upbringing, uh, before and after Christ. I don't get into the gross things. You know, a lot of people talk about their testimony and all they talk about is how bad they had it. And then when it's time to come to, to Christ, you know, they, they they'll, they'll speak about it for about 30 seconds or, or a minute. And that's the, that's the extent of their testimony. No, my testimony, I think, should be for all of us. My idea of a testimony is that we talk about what Christ has done in my life. We all know we're sinners. I don't need to know your sins. Okay. Maybe you might say a thing or two that I can relate with to help me that if he helped you, he can help me. And, and, and that's good. But this book has all, everything to do with what Yeshua has done and is still doing in my life. It's 30 chapters, right? And it talks about, it, it, listen, in every single chapter, all 30 of them, it all, they all bring you to Christ. Because that's what my testimony is Christ, not how bad I had it. What's the name of the book? When God says go, he is saying, come with me. And the reason I, I name it that is because when the Lord, when Yahweh told Moses, go to Pharaoh, that word go in the Hebrew is B-O, bo. And the word bo in Hebrew means come with me. Perfect. The word in Matthew, where the Lord says, you know, he's sending the disciples, go. And disciple, the word go there in Greek means accompany me. So never, we never have to go alone. When he tells you to go somewhere, it's because he's coming with you. And that's the confidence we have in promoting the gospel. Well, that's what that is. Perfect. Well, I'm going to add this to the show notes on both episodes. That way, anybody who sees this, I'll add that little bio and the little link to your book, where to, bit, where to buy it, where to get all that stuff in the show notes. Mm-hmm. So we'll make sure everyone who has that has access to this. But this has been fun. I am excited, but I'm more excited about the AC. Yeah. Uh, oh, my this gosh. Has, this has been, what's up, church? That's nice. <laughs> what's that's up, so church? good. It's so good. All right. We're going to say three, two, one. Bye. You have been listening to What's Up Church Podcast. Just know you are cooler than all your friends that didn't. <laughs>